Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Lincoln Journal Star's Life in the Red podcast. I'm Luke Mullen alongside Amy Just once again. And we got a, a jam-packed episode, I think, for you today. We'll break down the win over North Dakota, look ahead to Georgia Southern. And, of course, we want to talk a lot about that big volleyball match uh, that happened last night up in Omaha, Nebraska-Creighton, you know, one of those, those annual you know, great volleyball matches that we see every year, but it's, it's taken on a new importance you know, when, when we see them fill the basketball arenas. They did it here in PBA, set a regular season record a few years ago and just broke it last night. Um, you were there, I guess, just, just what were your overall thoughts of kind of the atmosphere and everything? It was unreal. Um, it was mostly red, but there was a lot of blue there too. At times there were dueling, you know, Let's go Jays, go Big yeah. Red chance, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to be in an environment that not only just cares so much about their team, it just cares about volleyball enough in general to go to a match at 5 o'clock on a Wednesday. <laughs> uh, braving all of the road construction and the rush hour traffic and just to be a part of something so special um, is really cool. Absolutely. And the record attendance, by the way, 15,797. Um, regular season record, and I think what is it, top fifteen or thirteen? Or thirteen, the top, yeah, the top yeah. thirteen matches in terms of attendance um, for NCAA volleyball only. Mm-hmm. Um, regular season matches have been held in either Lincoln or Omaha, yeah, which is really cool. Absolutely, and of course, you know the the teams didn't disappoint. It was a great match too, um, and you know Nebraska really got rolling early. Um, I think the, you know that that second set they were on fire. Creighton didn't have. A lot of response, you know, to the different runs Nebraska would get on. And then, you know, that, that third set, really tight. Nebraska had the chance, you know, maybe to get a sweep. Uh, and then Creighton, you know, they pull it out. They come storming back in the fourth. Um, just what, what did you see kind of in that decisive fifth set that led Nebraska pull ahead? Yeah, before that, I mean, the second and the third set could have gone either way. They were both really close. They were both uh, two-point wins. Um, second set for Nebraska, third set for Creighton. Mm-hmm. The fourth set... Nebraska really looked lost. Um, and to quote Lindsey Krause, Creighton visibly wanted it more than they did. And going into that fifth set, you know, Lindsey, when she was speaking after the match, she was saying, we need to show that we want it more than they did. We need to dig deep. And that's what they did. And she came out on fire, as did Hayden Kubik, the freshman uh, fourth pin, who this is really her first true test she played in like two sets i think um so far this season uh one in two different matches but i mean she played in every set and you know looked a little lost when she first got in there but she really came into her own and um you know that's what they needed you know sometimes you just can't rely on the same person every night um and they came through and it was electric and I honestly didn't know who's going to win that fifth set until Nebraska pulled away there at the end to clinch it. Yeah, super back and forth. Um, but I think something we need to bring up, and you know, I definitely noticed it because I was watching on TV at home. They they switched the broadcast from FS1, you know, the national broadcast, bump it over to FS2 for a regular season baseball game, and it was kind of crazy because I mean, really, you you don't see this a lot in any sport really it's it's always the game that's currently going on gets precedence to you know whatever's coming up next because of course i mean the fans who have been watching for you know an hour and a half they're invested they want to see the end of of the matchup so i mean honestly it's a it's a discussion like 
did it only get bumped because it's volleyball? Is that you know, is that kind of what went through Fox's minds when they did that? So full disclosure, I emailed Fox. I have not heard back yet. It is 1.09 on a Thursday. So we'll see if they email me back. They might not, but I asked. I was like, is there a contractual obligation uh, for these two, you know, middling NLS teams that no one really cares about right now? Um, I didn't say that in my email, but I, I did say that in my yeah. column. And regardless if there is a contractual obligation or not, doesn't the Big East also have a contract with Fox Sports? Yeah. So, look, like, obviously MLB and Big East are not on equal playing fields there. But how embarrassing. How, how embarrassing for a sport that you're trying to grow a TV audience for and you pull it right as they're going into the fifth set. Yeah. Like, block out enough time to air the whole game. Mm -mm. It's embarrassing. And I said that in my column and I stand by it. It's embarrassing. Well, yeah, I, I think it's just, you know, it's like, especially for the average consumer too, I mean, it's like, you're, you're completely turning off, you know, a large uh, percentage of your customer base. Uh, you know, the, the people that were invested in that match. And, and like I said, I mean, you see this all the time, you know, football, basketball, whatever it might be. You know, even if it's not a close game, in the fourth quarter, you'll see it all the time with ESPN. You know, obviously a, a different you know broadcast network. They'll bump games to ESPNU. They'll bump it to ESPN News. You know, let let the game run its course. You know, let the people who've been watching enjoy it. Um, and I I just thought it was a, a major mistake. You know, a, a landmark regular season volleyball game. Obviously a, a major hot topic here in Nebraska. And they they definitely dropped the ball on that one. Absolutely, and I hope that Fox Sports says something. I don't know how many complaints they got. I'm sure they got a lot of complaints from within the state of Nebraska. I'm not sure how many people were watching outside. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's a nationally televised match, so you think there'll be eyeballs elsewhere. But we'll find out, or maybe we won't. Yeah, I'm, I'm imagining like BTN, you know, moving away from a, you know, Penn State Nebraska volleyball matchup, you know, to some, you know, what, what's their like diner series that they do, Big Ten Eats or whatever, you know, I'm, I'm imagining something like that. And it's just, it's just crazy to, to think about a little bit. <laughs> but, you know, let, let's focus on the positives, you know, back to it. Um, just kind of what, what this shows about Nebraska being a volleyball state. And for me personally, this was a, a great match to watch because um, I covered high school volleyball here for about two years, uh, two, three years. And a lot of the players on the court were players I got to know, um, you know, through their high school days here. Um, you know, for Creighton, Nora Sis, uh, Papillion La Vista grad, Skylar McCune, she got in the match as well from Gretna. And for Nebraska, you know, the Waverly contingent, Whitney Lonstein, Becca Alec, Ani Evans, and of course, you know, Lindsey Krause from Omaha Scott. Um, you know, especially, I mean, these are two top 20 volleyball teams. Of course, you know, Nebraska recruits nationally, you know, they get, you know, number one, number two recruiting classes every year. But at the same time, I mean, when you, when you have those in-state players, you know, contributing, obviously, it, you know, we hear this a lot. It means a little extra, um, you know, fighting for their hometown, you know, homeschool uh, that they've, you know, grown up watching and seeing their whole lives. Um, so I just thought it was fantastic to see all those Nebraskans out there, um, you know, the, the passion that we saw in the match, too. Um, you know, I just, I just have to think that that played a big role. Yeah, for sure. I, it, regardless of if they played or if they didn't, between the two teams, there are 11 Nebraska natives on mm -hmm. the rosters. 11. And a lot of them played and played really well. So it's just, it just goes to show just how special this is. And it's part of why 
you know, Omaha gets the final four so often yep. because volleyball is, I mean, to quote John Cook, is a state treasure here. And I just, he couldn't be more accurate in that assessment. And it's not just, you know, with Nebraska and with Creighton. I mean, UNK and Wayne State are both ranked in the top 10 for the Central and Division Two, And then UNO is 4-1 and one right now. Like, it's not just at the the top level, it's going all the way down through all the college ranks and in the high school. And it's just, it's really special. Yes, absolutely. I mean, a, a total top-down approach. I think we have a, a fantastic club scene here in Nebraska as well. Um, a couple of different club organizations that do a great job. And like you said, I mean, high school, middle school, it, it's just part of kind of the, the overall atmosphere of the state. Um, a, lot of, a lot of girls just grow up playing it, do a great job. And you know, I, I, like I said, you know, covering high school volleyball, it's not just it's not just that they all go to Nebraska and Creighton. You see, you know, players go across the whole country, Division One, Division Two, whatever it might be. Um, you know, Nebraska volleyball products have gone all all places, everywhere, and you know, they've succeeded. They've done a great job for it, um, and and I think this event was a, a great one to kind of showcase um, just kind of the, the special atmosphere that we have around volleyball here in Nebraska. Yeah, and it. It continues the cycle, right? Because there are so there were so many young girls in the stands last night, and when they can see, you know how, you know important this sport is, you know maybe they you know go and play volleyball and end up being really good, and you know maybe 15 years from now we'll see, you know oh I was three when I went to this match yeah. and I just I fell in love with like you know mm -hmm. like. It just the cycle keeps continuing, and that's not lost on anybody. Definitely. So we'll we'll look forward to to breaking down a few more of the important volleyball matches that are coming up in a couple weeks. Stanford next week. Yes, most definitely. Um, a lot of, a lot of eyes will be on that one. Um, <laughs> those programs might have a little history. <laughs> uh, a little, a little bit, a little bit. All right. Well, let's let's get into football a little bit. We're a few days removed um, from the North Dakota game, but obviously still fresh in our memory a little bit. Um, you know, worth breaking down a few of the important different things that went on. Um, you know, first thing that stands out to me offensively, we saw the same fast start. You know, they, they're humming out there on the first drive. Thompson's throwing the ball. They march down the field. And you're thinking, okay, you know, this is the type of offense you want to see. Gets an FCS team come out there ready to play. Well, Thompson gets hit with a sack fumble. Nebraska misses a field goal. Uh, and, and the defense did a good job in that first half. Four straight punts for North Dakota. That final drive, they drive down the field, 7-7 tie game at halftime, not a lot of possession for Nebraska, and it was, uh, it was a tense halftime, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was a punch in the gut uh, for Nebraska and the fans in attendance, some of whom booed um, at halftime, and that's not what you want, right? You want the momentum going into halftime, and the drive that North Dakota pieced together was as good as you're going to see, and, you know, it it woke up the team a little bit like you know Garrett Nelson was talking at yeah. halftime about you know if we just do the things that we need to do we're going to be okay you know all of that stuff and it you know proved to be right but it was a little scary for a while definitely and you know the the second half turnaround was pretty quick as well you know same thing come out of the halftime locker room great first drive lead them down the field for a touchdown um, you know you, you you get the sack fumble another field goal 10-point lead, but they allow North Dakota, you know, to creep back in it. Um, you know, Thompson throws an interception. The, the turnover battle, obviously, so important. Um, but, you know, 17-17, third quarter, it's really not where Nebraska thought they would be. 
and they needed a response. And fortunately for the Huskers, they did get it. Um, defense got those stops at the end. Um, obviously, that, that huge Thompson pass to Trey Palmer, um, you know, from deep in their own territory. Yep, that stands out as a, a big play that, you know, led to the go-ahead touchdown. And, I mean, when you look at that 21-point margin of victory, it's, it's deceiving about how close that game was, isn't it? Yeah, of course. You know, for me, when I look to see how close a game was, um, I look at the first, like, three and a half quarters or so. Because sometimes at the end of games, especially against, you know, undersized FCS teams, the score can be a little misleading. Um, they eventually get worn down, get tired. They've got less, you know, scholarship athletes available, that type of stuff. So, but yeah, for the first three quarters, it uh, didn't look very favor- favorable for Nebraska. But they pulled it out, and I'm interested to see what happens this weekend. Absolutely. And we, you know, we, we learned a little bit more about, you know, some of the different positions that, you know, were maybe question marks going into the season or even after that Northwestern game. And top thing that stands out, Anthony Grant, it's his job as a starting running back. And he kind of put the team on his back at, at moments in that one. You know, not those touchdown runs, you know, it wasn't necessarily the product of a, you know, a big hole that he could run through. His cutbacks, his vision, his ability to, you know, go all over the field, that's what he showed against North Dakota. Yeah, he showed flashes of that against Northwestern, but he really showed that he can be that dominant lead back um, last week. And if it's going to rain, on Saturday, like uh, last I checked again, we're recording at like one-ish on a Thursday. It's like an 80% chance of rain on Saturday. They're really gonna need to use him and uh, he could go for 200. He might, if it's raining, he could go for 200 and that'd be fun. Yeah, and it, it depends how much they wanna work in AJ Allen too, um, which was you know maybe not something we would have really anticipated going into the year. You get this freshman, obviously a guy that running backs coach Brian Applewhite was was very eager to recruit to Nebraska, but I mean, you still had a lot of different guys in the backfield mix, and through two weeks, I mean, Ramir hasn't had a touch. Yant, I think, has, has had maybe two or three. Gabe Irvin in the, in the same boat. So, you know, Allen, he did a great job at the end of the game, but, you know, it is, it is a tired defense at that point. What I'll be interested to see is, can they sub him in, you know, first, second quarter, be that effective change of pace back, you know, alongside Grant, because obviously Grant's the top dog, um, Allen's done enough to get in that number two conversation, but there's a lot of guys right behind him eager to get their chance too. Yeah, it's a super deep room, and you know the cream is rising to the top. Uh, but yeah, I I like Grant and I like Allen. I think that the two different types of backs that they are, the different types of traits that they bring, is complementary to what the run game needs to do moving forward. Definitely, and a wide receiver. Uh, we've also seen kind of the top guy really emerge. At, not, not maybe necessarily a surprise. Obviously, you you got to see Trey Palmer at LSU as well. But, I mean, he's kind of fit in like a glove to this Nebraska offense, that downfield threat. Um, you know, we, we've seen him, you know, maybe even running even faster than, you know, Thompson was anticipating a few throws behind him a little bit because he just has that that burning speed. And he, he does a great job route running, too. I mean, he gets, he gets in and out of his breaks really quick. Yeah, very precise. And... Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't hurt when your uh, position coach is someone you're familiar with at your last stop, too. Helps a little bit, I would imagine. Definitely. But the only other thing on offense, um, the O-line. You know, were, were they good enough against North Dakota? I think, you know, in my opinion, probably not as good as you'd like to see. I think they wised up a little bit in the second half. Um, you know, gave, gave Thompson a little more time in the pocket in those 
different passing situations and I mean a, a little bit more area to run but again I mean this this was kind of the the question mark heading into the year and through two weeks there's still a lot of questions about that O-line. Yeah and look like do I think it was good enough? No but they're also working through some of their chemistry issues too right because this unit hadn't played much together if at all right until this season so they're working out some of the quirks, but they need to work it out quickly because once the rest of the Big Ten schedule gets here, it's going to be pretty ugly if they oh, don't yeah. figure it out. Yeah, and I mean, hearing we got it, I got the chance to talk to Teddy Prowaska um, on Monday, and I thought what was really interesting, he shared a lot kind of about his, his mental approach, and what he was saying was, you know, just the first half, he's just felt a little uncertain. You know, maybe some of that is coming back from injury, but again, you know, this is a guy playing left tackle, a premier position on that O-line, and he's only had a handful of starts there. So he, he's still working his way up, a real talent there at left tackle. And we see that a lot, a lot of the other positions on the offensive line too, guys who, who maybe even ha- haven't even had a full season starting at that position. So they, it, it takes time to get that stuff sorted out. They're still working on it, um, and, and that's kind of the takeaway on that one. But on the defense, we're kind of still seeing the same stuff, that tackling that we saw against Northwestern. Major issue, I think, especially in the first half. Um, a lot of arm tackles going missing, not taking the right angle to the ball, containing where they need to. And that's led to a response. You know, we've heard about this a lot from the different coaches this week in practice. They're doing ones against ones uh, because you, you get a different type of speed, especially for the defense when you're going up against the top offensive unit. Yeah, but I was, Clay Helton, who we'll talk about him a little bit more, um, spoke about earlier this week, like, Georgia Southern, they're live tackling uh, in some of those periods. And here at Nebraska, they're not. They're working on, you know, leverages and all of the other things that go into tackling. So we'll see how that helps. Um, But maybe the answer is live tackling in practice. But I don't know what they'd need to see um, in order to make that change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, an interesting one for sure. And it's kind of it's kind of a tricky one because there's no perfect solution, obviously, if you do live tackling, there's more of an injury risk. But if you're not going live, you know, are they ready to, to be up to that full game speed? So we'll see if that, that makes a difference here on Saturday. Um, also be interested to see the defensive line and secondary rotation because that stuff shifted a little bit from the first game to the second game, especially the defensive line. I mean, we had Colton Feist and Ty Robinson, just a ton, a ton of snaps there against Northwestern, really cut back against North Dakota, probably a little bit more. Um, you know, in that 40 snap, 30, 40 snap range, you'd want to see Stefan win, I think made a, a lot bigger impact than he did against North, uh, Northwestern as well. So is that a sign of, you know, things will keep increasing for him and maybe decreasing for the other guys? I don't think so. I think they're, they're just trying to get everybody kind of on the same, same level. Um, and that's important in the secondary as well. You've got Miles Farmer, Quentin Newsom. I mean, these guys have hardly, hardly had a snap or even a series um, where they haven't been on the field for the entire time, which, you know, first, second game, probably fine to get away with. But when you get deeper in the season, I mean, they're going to be worn down if they don't figure out that rotation. Yeah, balance is necessary. Because uh, if you've got a tired secondary, that uh, has the potential to be ugly. Mm-hmm. And other takeaways from this North Dakota game, uh, lost the turnover battle for the second straight week. Uh, major issue, almost in their special teams miscue. Wyatt Luer almost touching that, uh, you know, block punt. Could have been a really bad giveaway there. Uh, but number one thing that stands out to me, time of possession battle. 
North Dakota had over eight minutes, or sorry, excuse me, Northwestern had over eight minutes more than Nebraska. North Dakota even increased on that, 12 more minutes time of possession. I mean, that, that's almost another whole entire quarter uh, that they held the ball longer than Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska needs to figure that out. And granted, you know, with this week potentially being, you know, uh, inclement weather conditions, mm -hmm. you know, how much are we going to read into that just because the game plan changes so much when it's rainy and windy and all of those things. Um, so that'll be interesting, I think, for this weekend. But moving forward, when it's yeah. not raining, um, that's something to definitely look at. Well, it's, it's going to be interesting, too, because the, the weather conditions are going to affect both of these teams because they're both tempo-oriented, pass-heavy teams. So let's get into the, the Georgia Southern breakdown a little bit. Um, forget about the old option offense that they used to run because Clay Helton, the guy a lot of you college football fans will recognize, time at USC, a uh, great offense of mine for sure. He brings in kind of the spread style, uh, pass offense, and the quarterback, Kyle Van Treese, uh, transferred from Buffalo, played here at Memorial Stadium last year. Um, he, he's a guy who really fits that spread offense well, um, threw, for, threw for, I think, about 350 yards, you know, four touchdowns, some light work in that uh, week one win over Morgan State. Georgia Southern really rolled to a big one. Um, and, and so this offense, you know, it's a, an offense that's built to throw the ball. They're going to push the tempo, too. Um, so it's going to be a question of can Nebraska's defense, you know, line up quickly, you know, read the formations because it was a lot different. North Dakota, you know, they were huddling, they were taking their time, they were shifting. Yeah, so, I mean, there was a lot of differences, um, you know, compared last week to this week. Uh, so it's going to be a different challenge for the defense. Yeah, and uh, we'll see what happens, right? You know, yeah. if they've got time, you know, because Van Trees and Helton like to to push it a little bit, that opens up the pass rush. Um, that's a that's a big matchup I'll be looking at this weekend. Just how well um, or not so well uh, the edge rushers can do there. Um, can they bring him down once, twice, maybe more? Uh, but again, if the weather throws a wrench into that, then the run defense is going to be incredibly important yeah. and uh, not so great so far. Yeah, and for the edge rushers too. I mean, Georgia Southern experienced offensive line coming back for their five starters um, from a year ago return. So I think they're pretty good in the pass protection, but you know the, the run game we we saw. Um, you know, last week, Georgia Southern against Morgan State, they rotated three different backs in, uh, but that's going to be a lot different defensive front than they saw a week ago. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, can the Georgia Southern run game get going? Um, but an interesting stat, you know, defensively for Georgia Southern, uh, last year, uh, opponents only converted 37.5% of their third downs against Georgia Southern. Uh, Morgan State was just two for 13 on third down last week. So a very good third down defense uh, does that mean blitzing? Does it mean dropping back? Obviously, it'll be very situational, but that's been a challenge for Nebraska. Um, I think they're a little bit, I, I don't know the exact stat, but kind of in the 40-ish percent range um, on, their, on their third down conversions, um, which if they're going to be able to, to build those long drives, keep a hold of the ball, they're going to need to, to pick up right there where they left off. Yeah, yeah. And you can't just rely on you know Trey Palmer you know, making these <laughs> acrobatic right. you know, contested catches. Like, you're going to have to draw some things up and not just rely on luck and, you know, just sheer athleticism. Mm -hmm. he, I mean, he talked about, like, he, he's getting tired, you know? Like, 
he can only run like so many plays in a row before he has to take a break. So his conditioning is also something that they have to factor into all of this. Definitely. And I think it's about time for our Husker Hot Topic. And as we get into this one, you know, it, it's important to remind, to remind ourselves, I mean, this Georgia Southern team um, finished very poorly in the Sun Belt last year, three and nine record. Obviously, it's, it's kind of similar to Nebraska where they've got a new quarterback, a uh, new staff, not an you know, entire staff um, here in Nebraska, but a new offensive system that they've got in place. So there's a lot of moving pieces for this Georgia Southern team. You know, we'll, we'll expect a, a pretty good challenge because they do have the athletes. You know, they, they, they do have the ability to push Nebraska. But at the same time, our, our question for the week, what would another, let's say, really close game, you know, perhaps just, just close, but if it's really close, I mean, what does that mean for Nebraska's season if Northwestern, North Dakota, Georgia Southern, three games that were really on the easier end, perhaps the easiest on their schedule, are all extremely competitive? It worries me for the future, you know. Can they make it through the Big Ten season, right? They played so many close games last year against really talented teams. If they're playing close games against the teams that are supposed to be easier on your schedule, yikes. Yeah, and for me, it's, it's like a, it's a confidence thing too, right? Yeah. Because, you know, that, that Northwestern game is, is a, a real kind of unique one, you know, the, the Ireland thing and, you know, starting a week early, but... That didn't give them a lot of confidence, and we, no. we saw that against North Dakota. Um, you know, you, you don't go into halftime tied 7-7 against an, an FCS team if, if you're a confident group from, from top to bottom, which, you know, I'm not saying, oh, everyone's not confident. It's just kind of, collective. yeah, co a collective confidence. That's a good way of putting it. Obviously, it's up to the leaders, um, you know, Coach Frost especially, um, to kind of cultivate that confidence, but nothing's going to make you more confident than going out there and playing well. And, and blowing the doors off yeah. a team you're supposed to blow the, blow the doors <laughs> off of. I think the line is like 22 last I looked. Yeah. Like, that's what Nebraska should be doing. Like, they have the pieces to do it. They just need to come together as a team and do it. And like Scott Frost said last week, not a good team yet. Exactly. And, you know, the, the thing is, yes, you need to be tested in close games. You need to have that adversity. Um, but at the same time, you go through it so much. I mean, they could easily be numb of moments like these by the end of the year if you're if you're in a, a halftime dogfight every time, you know. If and then let's say it, it goes bad, you know, later down the season, if you're in the halftime locker room down 14, if you're not a confident team, you know, they might just roll over. So it's a case these early season games, you really got to get your feet wet. Uh, you really got to get that experience that you need down the road. And through two weeks, I don't think we've seen. Um, what we needed to see from Nebraska in terms of that. Um, so maybe that'll change against Georgia Southern. But if it doesn't, if it's a very close game, um, it, it, it does not inspire a lot of confidence um, that the rest of the season will, will go as well as, you know, they might have thought it would heading into the year. Yeah, and it uh, doesn't forebode well um, for next week against Oklahoma. Definitely, yeah. That's a, that's a pretty good opponent coming to town. <laughs> Just well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That was very, that was so much sarcasm if that wasn't blatantly obvious. <laughs> They'll have to be ready for that one. So yeah. let's get into the score predictions. Let's say, how close do we think it's going to be? I'll go first and I'll say Nebraska 38, Georgia Southern 24. Um, a lot under the spread, in my opinion. I think it's going to be a lot closer, you know, maybe a two touchdown, two score game, depending on how it shakes out. Uh, just because I, I, I like Van Treese's ability, I think, um, you know, it, it's going to be a case of can Nebraska bring the pressure? 
you know, can they force him to, to progress through his reads a lot quicker than he'd like to? Um, you know, what, will the weather, you know, force them to run the ball a little more? But at the same time, he, he's a playmaking quarterback. I think he's going to throw a couple touchdowns, um, you know, keep the pressure on that secondary at times. And for Nebraska, I think you really they, – they really need to get, in my opinion, at least 21 points at halftime because this is a, this is a team that, you know, you, you can hand the ball off to Anthony Grant now. We're kind of at that point in the year where you have that guy, that workhorse, um, that you can lean on a little bit. So time possession is going to be important, but at the same time, they have that tempo. They want to strike fast. Can they actually put it all together, you know, string together multiple touchdown drives? Really, we, we haven't seen that through eight quarters. I'm waiting to see a time where they get two, three scoring drives in a row. Perhaps it'll be this week. Um, you know, I, I think it's their best chance um, really to get tuned up. So 38-24 is what I'm saying. What are you going with? I'm a little more optimistic than you this week. Mm -hmm. um, I have down Nebraska 42, Georgia Southern 17. I think that, like I've talked about ad nauseum uh, so far, I think the weather will play a factor if it does indeed rain. Uh, I think Anthony Grant is going to go off again, and uh, Georgia Southern's just going to have a really hard time containing him. I foresee, you know, a couple touchdowns, maybe a few more from him. Maybe one from AJ Allen. Uh, Casey Thompson will still be very effective, I think. Um, I think this is going to be the game that they need uh, to step forward. Yeah. So bring your bring your ponchos, bring your bring your rain jackets if you're going to be there. Uh, 6:30 Saturday night, Memorial Stadium. Huskers take on Georgia Southern. We'll have all the the live you know coverage. Uh, we'll we'll get you our rapid reaction from the field, of course. Um, you know, Amy will have her column. I'll be covering the game. Yeah, look, look forward to us on Twitter as well. We'll have all the all the content online. It's a big one, you know. Obviously, Oklahoma coming up, but really they, they need to get right this week, and we'll see if that's the case or not. So, thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Life in the Red. Hope you enjoyed the volleyball coverage, and of course our our breakdown of North Dakota, looking ahead to Georgia Southern. We'll see you there 6:30 Saturday night for Amy Just. I've been Luke Mullen. Thank you all for tuning in this week.